Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Ahoy, Podcast Voyagers! It's the Nerds Podcast number 362. I'll be performing in Salt Lake City, Utah, at a place called Wise Guys. Uh, That is coming up in uh, June. The dates would be June 6th, 7th, and 8th. It's in uh, West Valley City, Utah. So go to nurse.com slash calendar uh, for all the comedy dates that are coming up. Also, performing at uh, Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con. We're doing a live nurse podcast at the Bobo Theater. Information is at that same link, nurse.com slash calendar. I'd like to thank for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast, Carbonite Online Backup. Do you, you probably sometimes, ah, you know, I'll occasionally back files up because why? Why do you keep my personal files? Machines never break down. Uh, you would be the wizard of foolishness. So, Carbonite Online Backup keeps all of your files forever. Uh, it's automatically and continually backed up in the background. You never even have to think about it. And then when disaster strikes, you just pull all your files back down on your new machine or if you have to reboot your system or if you have to reinstall your system software or whatever it is that you do (laughs) you just use Carbonite to save your ass uh, and it'll work every time plans start at $59 a year start your free trial today at Carbonite.com use the offer code NERDIST get two bonus months with purchase that's Carbonite.com use the offer code NERDIST and now this episode is uh, Jim Jeffries who uh, has a show on FX called Legit. Uh, he's a stand-up comic, and he uh, Jim's cool. He When he came in, I think he was a little suspect of, like, what's this Nerdist thing all about? And then you'll find that about three-quarters of the way through the podcast, we uncover that Jim is possibly the biggest nerd in the room. Uh, because Well, I don't want to spoil it. So you should just listen. Spoilers! Spoilers, sweetheart. The Notice Podcast, number 362, with Jim Jeffries. Now entering Nerdist.com. You may ignore that makeup uh, puff. All right. That's it's, I. I don't know why this. Set up for a podcast, eh? Yeah, we really got it going. We paid for all of this out of pocket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not squatting this at all. <laughs> from someday they'll find out that we've been using this place. <laughs> but until that day, Nick hasn't ratted us out yet. 
And he's got headphones on, so sure he's not he even listening. This is not, I'm sorry, I don't normally listen to the show, so is there anything particular I should be have prepared or anything? Or? Yeah. Just uh, a tight 75 minutes of brand new material. Yeah. Dude, that's what I got. That's and if we... What I got. It's all Oscar-based. <laughs> Great. Not, not all of it's going to work. <laughs> no, you know, okay, so, so just we're really... It's, we're, it's basically just us shooting the shit for an hour. But, but so about the Oscars... A bunch of people said, as they do every year, mm. this was the worst Oscars ever. Like, everyone always says that. But then I talked to a couple of other people that were like, you know, it wasn't that bad. I thought it was great. I, th- I was I th- drunk. It wasn't terrible. Oh, good. Yeah, so <laughs> I thought, and I had, I had some friends over, and we had a we had a pool, and that was fun. Yeah. You know, we all gambled. I had a bit of uh, scotch in me, and I was tweeting things that probably shouldn't, I shouldn't have tweeted. Sure. Like, oh, Michael Douglas would do a really good job playing his father post-stroke now. Yeah, that's probably not. Yeah, a, I don't that's know. That's the bit but... that I didn't get was the Chicago. It, oh, that's the watermark film of the century. You didn't get that memo right before the Oscars yeah, happened? Yeah, they just, it was, it was just like they went, like, it's the equivalent of doing, like, now our dedication to Forrest Gump. You know what I mean? No, the top Forrest is... Gump's too old to even be in that now. Right. Like, it's not even, it's like a dedication to, like... A film that did well many years yeah. ago. Yeah. yeah. But not even that many years ago. Ten years ago. And not even a film that changed film. Just a movie, <laughs> a musical that worked out well. Yeah, that worked out well. It was like there was something else that was meant to be on there. Right. Yeah. And then they just they just <laughs> grabbed Catherine Zeta Jones and they went, We've got the same dancers. And Zell <laughs> Wiggle was just wasted at the bar and she was like, I'll do it. And they went, No, we just need Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna send you up with uh Kristen Stewart. Was it to Kristen Stewart and Renee Zellweger that went up together? The, no, the Kristen Stewart and Radcliffe. Oh, I Daniel think. Radcliffe, yeah, right. Yeah. Kristen Stewart who just doesn't give a shit about anything, apparently. Well, yeah. she had hurt her foot, so I maybe she was on pain meds. Maybe. Yeah, sure. Maybe. Is that does that explain the bruise on her arm? I, I, I <laughs> fighting werewolves. What do you want? I was. Uh, I'm going to name drop ever so slightly. I had DJ Qualls at my house. Oh, nice. What? Uh, for the Oscars, right? <laughs> and and DJ went. She's so wasted, man. She's wasted. I know her. She's always wasted. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's your inside scoop for that one. There you go. This is the Hollywood second. This is literally one second scoop. Um, I've been a fan of yours for a long time, uh, uh, comedy-wise. I think the first time I saw you live was in Montreal, probably, I don't know, I feel like it was maybe five or five years ago now. Yeah, I've done it a few times. Five or six years ago? the first time was like six years ago, yeah. Yeah, and it was in, uh, I think it was in the Club Soda room. It was the Nasty Show, yeah. The Nasty Nasty Show, show. that's what it was, yeah. Yeah. The Nasty Show a couple of times, and then they started doing those solo shows. Do you like those better? Did you? I, well, I got I, I, that solo show in Montreal was the re- I was like they they put on four for the first time and now they do a whole lot of solo shows. But that was the reason why I got my um, agents over here and moved to America. So I got to thank Montreal for that. I had I had a person from CAA come up to me in the street and go, "We'd like to sign you." And I and they go, "We're from CAA." <laughs> and I was there with my British agent. There was some younger comics standing around, and I went. Um, what's CAA like that, right? And they and they all laugh like, "Oh, you're good, you're good." Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they, they, put, they put they put their card in the top of my pocket. And I turned to my British manager. And I said, "What do you see?" And he goes, "I got no idea." <laughs> right? And this is just when people started googling on their phone. You know oh, right. I mean? And he went. He, he had like a iPhone that could do it. And he went, "They're in an agency." Um, he goes, "Well, we haven't got an American agent yet. We'll see how they work out." You know what I mean? That's so, <laughs> the biggest agency and the, the most powerful yeah. agency. Unless, of course, they were like, oh, no, no, we're the Canadian Artist Agency. Yeah, yeah I, I went, all right, what can it hurt? I'll come over and do a couple of weeks some shows. Gigs. That's amazing. And I came over and I did the, 
I did the they put me in the um, laugh factory, and I started just doing my regular set, which involves cunt a lot. You yeah, know? Mm-hmm. and just the audience just stared at me. My first <laughs> gig in America. Now yeah. I'm surprised because a lot of times the accent will is the workaround for that. It, well. Yeah, but after that, they sent me on the road and they billed me as that guy. Oh, okay. But if you just rock up to a club and no one's heard of you, and there's also this, you, there's not that many popular Australian stand-up comedians around the world, like especially in America. Sure. It really, it's me and Minch, Tim Minchin. Tim Minchin. Yeah. And you're Who, both from Perth, right? I went to university in Perth. Oh, I think okay. he's from Perth, Perth. I, I know for a fact that... Perth I, proper. Um, that that many years ago, about about six or seven years ago, my mother and his mother were in hospital, and they shared a room just by coincidence. Oh wow! Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, and they had a little bit of a mum off. You know what I mean? <laughs> Where they, they started bragging about their kids, and then it got down to their youngest boys. And as well, well, my son's a comedian who lives really? in the UK. Well, my son's a comedian who lives in the UK. Well, my son's done this. My son's done that. And then it ended with. With Mitchin's mum going, well, my son plays piano at a ca- classical pianist level and <laughs> writes original music, right? And my mum was like, my son says cunt a lot. <laughs> Game, set, match. <laughs> That's, uh, you, you guys, uh, I'm always kind of envious of, you perform all over the world. You perform in like South Africa. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. A, in Tokyo. Performed to- have you really? Yeah. How- What's that like? Well, I did it. Besides performing for robots, corner of a pizza restaurant Uh to um, white businessmen. Okay, you know, and I got paid good money for it, but it was literally they don't even have TV that's in English. They have nothing. So if you go out there and work for a company or something, and you don't really speak Japanese, (laughs) then they fly guys in to do shit. You know? Wow. And it's the only big major country, major city, where. I, I couldn't get back to my hotel. Like, they don't speak English fucking at all, right? Wow. Everywhere else, you just like... Yeah. You take yeah. it for granted. Yeah, you could Where's say... The... You, they could speak pidgin sort of where you could go, the big tall with the pointy... Whole, whole separate language thing. family. Yeah, yeah. Completely separate language family. You could get family. back to a Marriott, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't get... The taxi drivers, I just had to sleep on the streets when I was in Tokyo. <laughs> well, someone, even, someone explained to me, and I, I, don't, I didn't do the research to, to check if this was true or not, but they said... The other major hurdle with trying to communicate to taxi drivers in Tokyo is that there's n- the, the way that they adr- the new addresses get added is that it's not like this block is, you know, mm. 100 to 300. It's whenever there's a new building, that gets the next sequential address. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's no real rhyme or reason other than chronologically of when the buildings were built. Oh, so like you can have like 5,700 and then next to it could be one. Two, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> and so there's no, like if you're looking at a map and you don't speak the language, it's, a, you know, but maybe, maybe that's not true, well, but the, that's what the, I was the, told. The only English speaking I had in my Tokyo visit was... I was walking down the street looking like a fucking giant, right? I'm six <laughs> foot, right? But just, just my head poking over. Thousands of people was all bunched up and they're all walking. And this guy walks up to me and he looks me in the eye and he goes, I am walking home from work. And I said, yes, you are. And he went, did you understand? Oh, that's and awesome. Went, he was testing went, you. 
yes, I did. And then he went, yes. <laughs> right? Right? So he just came from his English-speaking class. He has to do some deal or whatever. And then he thought, oh, fuck it, I'm going to give this a go. But thank God I wasn't German or right, something. Right, right. Where I knew a bit of English, but his, his accent was too hard. Oh, and you would have totally fucked him over. Yeah, for I would have just gone. You could, could walk time like fuck. Destroy his confidence. He gives up. He doesn't go for that job he was trying to get the yeah. way he needed to be. And we know how it ends in Japan. Dishonor stabs <laughs> oh, himself. It's all end. over. It's all over. Where, where do you? Uh, what do you find to be? Uh, you know, uh, can you do pretty much the same acts in different countries? Or do you... um, yeah, you know, there's there's more problems regionally in America than there is country to country. You know, I'm I'm performing in Austin on Friday in Dallas on. Saturday and I at the moment I'm doing a a 15 minute anti gun routine uh-huh. which has been killing at my New York and LA shows that I've just done. Yeah. Um but uh I'm not as optimistic. I think Austin will be I, Austin <laughs> You'll be okay. Will be Austin. Austin will be all right. Yeah. Austin is sort of the um so Austin is like anti-Texas. It's like this liberal bubble. Oh, of, I've been. I bet. But it's, yeah. it's also that people will start writing on like Ticketmaster or something. That like, like, like I tuned out as soon as he did his anti-gun thing. Right. Keep his opinions to himself because it's also that foreign thing that they yeah. really hate when you talk about any of their. Which is why they or. tried to get Piers Morgan deported. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They, they all forget about the First Amendment just so fucking quick. Yeah, yeah. No, if you're from here, yeah. Yeah, yeah you can't change an amendment, and you're like, <laughs> yes, you can. The word means to. <laughs> no, I don't think it does. We're yeah. amending. <laughs> that thing where people go, keep your opinions to yourself. And it's like, if you've come to my show, you'd like me for my opinions. <laughs> go Cowboys. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to take the good opinions with the bad, right? If you yeah. come to my show, no, like, I'm, I'm an atheist comedian. There's a lot of religious people who don't agree with me. But I know religious people come to my shows because they can tune out for that little while or suspend belief. <laughs> right. Well, a lot of means gun owners can't. They don't have that tune out bit. A lot of mainstreaming audiences... Are they are with you until you say something that you don't? Then say something they don't agree with, and then it's like keep your opinions to yourself. Yeah, but you didn't have a problem with all those other opinions because you agreed with them. Yeah. You just gotta keep, keep your opinions that you don't that I don't agree with to yourself. That's yeah. the, that's the big one. Yeah. Well, but that's the you know I, I again I think it's it's sort of the mark of a, a a great comedian you know where you can take something like that that you know might polarize the audience but still maybe manage to turn some of them around. Like, you know, you and Bill Burr, guys that can actually kind of take the audience and go, I know you're probably uncomfortable with this, but I'm going to make you like it by the end. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I say that. I, I do say during the whole routine, I, I just go, I know you don't agree with me. I get it. I just <laughs> want to give some arguments. You know what I mean? Like, if you keep saying that, you, you're fine. Why is this podcast called The Nerdist? Um, we are nerds. Look, he's got a Mario T-shirt on. Well, he's not a nerd. Right? <laughs> I mean, this is the thing is, nerds. It's a weird thing. That word has changed now, hasn't it? Well, it has because you see people who were good in school. Well, it wasn't just people who were good in school. It was so you know when I was growing up, there was a um, we didn't really have a name for it, mm. and it wasn't until the movie Revenge of the Nerds came out where we were like, oh, I guess that you know, like we identified. Well, I was an outcast at school. I was not popular. My mother was a school teacher at the school and 300 pounds and, and, and yelled a lot. You know, it, was like, it was an uncomfortable school, I, I, but I didn't do good in school, so I was never considered a nerd in the Australian sense of a thing. But, you know, I don't ca- classify a, a nerd as someone who likes Star Wars because everyone fucking likes Star everyone Wars. Everyone likes Star Wars. Star no, Wars they, is it's no not, longer the example. You know, I always say it's not what you like, but how you like those things. Like how, 
you know. But don't you find that in, in, in the comedy community, I'm not saying you guys, but there is a certain, because of the power of the internet now, that there is a breed of nerd that's become the bully. Oh, there's no question. There's no question, especially like when you look at uh, comment threads or or Twitter or, mm. you know, where where the nerd because the nerds don't have the physical prowess. And so they attack you with bitterness and knowledge if they go to the dark side. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, you know, I've always said the it's sort of like if uh, if you have a fan base that's a little more. Um, well, not a non-nerd fan base might just write you an email and go like, "You're a fucking piece of shit." Yeah. But if you have a nerd fan base and you get an email, it's like five paragraphs long, and there's like it's footnoted, and they tell you in detail. And things they'll, they'll get a YouTube clip and they'll put it up, and they'll, they'll, they'll put a lot of <laughs> effort. A, yeah. But I think you know, their anger. in the early days for me, it was um, you know, I was in the computer lab and and math group and chess club and and. You know, I was I was into computers and video games and All like right. I, so. I, I, computers and vi I was video games, sure, right? I would be I, I don't know, maybe I'm not self knowing, but in the comedy community, I would be seen as one of the cooler kids, probably in right. that group, right. right? And I I have a degree in in, in opera. <laughs> Do you really? Yeah, so you fucking nerd. Yeah, like, <laughs> and I know I know a lot about musical theater, but Seth MacFarlane's sort of making that cool now, but I don't. Well, that's, that's pretty nerdy, right? <laughs> that is pretty incredible, actually. Yeah. That uh, a degree in opera is pretty incredible. Well, you... I, 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 I lie. I was three months off a degree in opera. I quit, <laughs> <laughs> I, I quit to become a stand-up comedian, but I did a musical theater and opera. I did the same course that Hugh Jackman did at university. And, oh wow! And Hugh Jackman was the guy. The course only ever took twenty people each year, and he, that was just before Hugh Jackman got famous. And he was already the one that all the teachers talked about, like when Hugh was here. I was like, oh. Who the fuck is this Hugh guy? He's in a couple of musicals in Australia, and then he, all of a sudden he's fucking Wolverine, and we're like, all right, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not singing. Yeah, yeah. When Wolverine was here, <laughs> <laughs> it was before they filled his body with adamantium. But uh, yeah, you know, the I guess the name of the, you know, my website was Nerdist and it was really about all the things that I liked, which I think you would have been able to put in traditionally, you know, nerdy buckets. But 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 I don't really think it's, I think it's about, you know, if you're into opera, it's... I'm not into opera. It was just that I was failing the musical theater course, so I took another unit because I was a better singer than I was dancer. So the way... The oh, wow. I, I, the way for me to get through the course was to move some of my majors over to my strength. Very clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, my tap dancing and whatnot was subpar. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. It, it, it was one of those university courses where occasionally you just look around, going, "Is this seriously what we're doing today?" We're paying money for this. Yeah, and it was it was all scholarship as well. Everyone, if you, it was all audition based. The three thousand people auditioned, twenty people got through. So the government wow. paid for it because Australia has that little thing that we're not really. We, Australia really likes to think of themselves as being cultural when really we're cultureless. And so anytime that there's someone, opera, all right, there's some money. Go <laughs> <Don't> do that. <laughs> comedy's really good in Australia right now, though, isn't it? Like comedy in, in Australia and London, there's there's kind of a comedy boom, um, I've heard. Stand-up comedy in Australia does very well in with touring acts. So at the moment I'm going back there, I'm doing a whole lot of theatres, I'm selling out faster than I'm selling out over here, and I've had no TV exposure in Australia, and it's my first... And, but the thing is... The clubs are suffering. 
Okay. There's one comedy club in, in Sydney. So people are seeing the big names when they come out and filling theatres, but the ground roots in Australia isn't going very well. But if, if For me, it feels like there's more people who want to become stand-up comedians than want to watch it. Okay. In, in on the club basis. Sure. And then when they have the festivals, their festivals kill. Like, and every town has the Perth has a festival, Sydney has a festival, Melbourne has the big festival. Sure. And when they have those festivals, the comedy goes mental for two weeks and then it's over. Right. And so oh, that's wow. where you see the boom sort of happening. But London um, is actually going through. Well, the UK is going through a slump. It it went through a a big. When I first started out over there, there was more comedy clubs than there were comedians. People were getting promoted through the ranks oh, wow. really quick because they just couldn't fill all the comedy clubs. And, and some change expand, some of the chains expanded so much. And then that obviously you expand that much, obviously there has to be a fall. Oh, gotcha. Because I, I feel like it was even just a few years ago that I was talking to Jimmy Carr at one of the Montreal festivals and he was saying, oh, there's this, you know. It's not, it's not, it's not hurting for Jimmy Carr. <laughs> no, 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 not for him. But he was saying that, you know. Well, the, I mean, his taxes are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm friends with Jimmy and I had a bit of a word to him. I, I didn't do anything. It was legal. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and you're, like, you're like, as long as it was legal. It's like John Bishop said something on TV after he got caught because the, the Prime Minister of Britain called... Uh, Called him a scumbag or something. Oh Jesus! Uh, yeah, Jimmy. Look, the prime minister called Jimmy out as an example. What? Yeah. So what was what specifically Jimmy was he accused was, of? Jimmy has over three million pounds worth of TV deals a year, and he was paying less than one percent tax. Oh. And what happened was Jimmy had found out that if you open a company and they loan you some money yeah. from your own money, to there was some way that his accountant went. I know this system that you only have to pay one percent. So Jimmy was doing it, right? Uh, and he's saying that Jimmy's one of the nicest guys in the world. There's more charitable gigs than any other comic I've met, so I don't want to fucking slay him. But it, he got, he got, and, and all the prime ministers' mates were right, doing it. Right, all the of one percenters were course, doing it. Of course, of and course. And then, but Jimmy was used as an example of, of how bad that could got. And I think John Bishop, the, this comedian, was on telly when it happened. He goes, he goes, uh, Jimmy can't doing that. Every comedian thought the same as they think about his job, about his jokes. I wish I thought of that first. <laughs> <laughs> so did he end up having to pay like some exorbitant amount? No, of he's no, now he paying legal. regular tax. Right. And just sort of went, sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he does a lot of shows that are like news-based, where it's like he's talking about the news and other, like, how the banks ripped everyone off. And then when he got done, he was like, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, well, nothing in the news today. I don't know. Uh, what's happening? But, uh, he rolled with it pretty good. I, I, I was... I was at a gig with him in Edinburgh and he was on stage with some spotty students, got up and called him a dirtbag and yelled at him a bit and he just sort of... Isn't that interesting where you can get to a certain point in your comedy career where it's not just about the jokes anymore, that there's sort of a weird, almost political place that you have in society where people come in with a, you know, with yeah. baggage like that? It's... Yeah, and and there's there's got to be throughout history... There's certain comics that are left untouched when they do things. And then there's certain comics that I don't understand why I think, and I blame Bill Hicks for this. And as soon as you say Bill Hicks, I know people are angry right now for me saying this. <laughs> no, I think it's fine. Why do we have to have such integrity when it comes to advertising? It's like Bill Hicks, if you were in an advert, you should kill yourself, blah, 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 blah. Actors can fucking have a watch on. And and be like like credible Oscar winning actors yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio can you'll be at the airport there'll be a tag Hoyer yep. and he's got all the fucking money in the world well and and he get what have you got another million on the pile 
Just right? so let me tell you. First of all, I don't have a problem with it. No, I don't either. I, but but I will say, I think the problem that people might have with it is. They look at comics to sort of be the unbiased editorial voice of, you know. And so if you're, I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, if that guy's getting paid. I remember because, yeah, and uh, I think maybe it was Rantany Minor, it was Bill Hicks, where he went after Leno for like, fuck you and your Doritos money or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, and so I think people assume, just like if you're a news program that takes money. I don't know. I think maybe I've that's what it is. I've been offered a couple of beer endorsements over the years, sponsorship deals and stuff like that, and I've turned them down out of fear. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> for, the, for the nerd community but coming up. But I'll tell you what. I, 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 fine. I'll tell you, you'd be fine, We're especially okay because it. I think if you, as long as you're open with people and go, look, you know, I'm a, I'm a working performer, and this helps me do what I do, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with this. And I think as long as you're open about it, I think people would be like, well, of course you should get then paid. you say, plus, this beer is delicious. Delicious. Try some. <laughs> it is uh, well. I'm, I won't tell you the brand, but I, I'm I'm still being courted by them. But I, I think, think you do it. I think it's the weird thing now is because I got the TV show, legit, legit, which I'd like to advertise. Watch legit on, on Thursdays F at ten thirty. Uh, on FX, you on, on sell FX. out. Now yeah. he's advertising it's got a TV, TV show. What the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It used to just be about the jokes and not getting paid ever. I got I got one guy write to me. That said, because uh, I quit the po my podcast I did with Eddie. Yeah, talking shit. It was just, it was a time thing. I was doing 50-hour weeks on the show and then the thing, and I couldn't get there and I had to wake up at six. And I said, all right, well, you guys just do it and you have my portion of whatever's coming in and I'll, I'm, I'll come and drop in every now and again, you know? Yeah. And, and amongst me and Eddie and all the other guys, it was all amicable and everything was fine, but then people were like, fuck you! Like this, right? <laughs> but, and I'm like, I'm making a TV show for you. Uh -huh. I'm giving you content. It's not like I'm just sitting back. And so I, I had a child at the same time and it was like, oh, well, obviously now he's got a kid. And then someone wrote to me and I'd finished filming the show Someone wrote, wrote to me a big letter how I haven't been funny since my child has been born. <laughs> that was and just like, like a few months ago, right? And I'm like, but I haven't produced, I haven't sent anything out in the world since my child's <laughs> well, been born. Well, you got born. you on a technicality. He's yeah, right. Yeah. Unless that was my girlfriend. <laughs> my girlfriend may have written that. <laughs> if she wrote that, then that's fair enough. But the, the good news is that I think <clears throat> those voices are like, Point oh 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 one percent, and so it's. I, I mean, I personally, oh, the, the show. I thought the show would get a lot more flack. The show, critically and from the audience, has been very well received. Well, uh, I, I think if you if you were to do this beer commercial and you were able to be you, mm. then I don't think it's a problem. I don't think it's a problem at all, as long as it feels like. You know, Henry, I, we talked about this with Henry Rollins where you know, he would do, you know, like uh, ads for stuff and people would be like, you're fucking selling. He's like, no, no, that's a business transaction. Selling out is when you compromise your belief system for a paycheck. Yeah. But you can, you obviously, you enjoy beer. Why shouldn't you get to work with a beer company? That's not, it's not like you, it's not like you, you know, going, I'm Jim Jeffries for Allstate Insurance. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, exactly. It's, well, it's, that's in different. fairness to Allstate. They do have a great program. They there. do. It's really good. It's yeah. the, the for so forgiveness. You, I, don't, I don't have as good a voice as the president from 24. <laughs> no one does. No one does. <laughs> so no one does. I, I like the fact that that guy's probably got a name, but he'll always be Dennis, known. Um, Dennis, uh, <laughs> Dennis Rodman. It's not. It's no. so close to Dennis Rodman. But I always think of him as the guy from Major League. Oh, yeah, he's a no, fucking he's Joe Boo. He's not from Major League. He was from Major League. He's, he's, he's Serrano. He's, he's Serrano. He is Serrano. Yes, the he is. Yeah, the president 24 is, is Serrano. Serrano, yeah. Serrano, yeah. yeah. I always thought of him as the, the guy who was playing baseball 
in Asia with Mr. Baseball, Tom Selleck. <laughs> <laughs> he, is, he is Serrano from Major League. He, is in, the, he yeah. is in the Tom Selleck movie as well, Mr. Baseball. He might be. He I haven't seen Mr. Baseball in so long. I haven't Major seen League, Mr. Baseball in forever. He's the other baseball player in, in Major Baseball who's in Tokyo who's thinking if he plays well, he might get back into the majors. I'll tell you what. I, even as much as I didn't understand baseball, I always loved Major League. I always loved that movie. Oh, it's such a good movie. Holds yeah, up. It's, it's a good such movie. a good movie. I think it holds up. I haven't seen it in 10 years. Yeah, it holds up. Now yeah. I have a homework assignment. Even, even Major League Two holds up in a strange <laughs> way. <laughs> the, the recasting of Wesley Snipes in that movie is amazing. Because Wesley Snipes is in the first one and then they... Then he gets really famous. But it's also about... Like, but they the don't sec- change the character. The second film, they all come back and they decide that they're better at things that they weren't good at before. Yeah. Oh, right. So he's going to be a home run hitter. He's not a speed man yeah. anymore. He's yeah. not going to steal bases. He's just going to yeah. hit it over the wall. And it turns out that he... He's only about two feet off being able to do it every time. So he just goes into the waste room a little bit. It's not like he's failing by a lot. He's like two feet short from being the best home run hitter ever. Plus, that's the beginning of the steroids era. They really could have written that in and had a good time with it. Well, Charlie Sheen was taking steroids in that one. He admitted to it. I'm sure he was. He he admitted to it. He took took steroids during Major League Two so he could throw the fast. He was throwing in in the 80s, which is for a regular human. It's bloody fast. Very fast. He's uh, there. There are some people. What won't Charlie put in his body? That's my question. Anything. I, say, I, do, I had a. I, the other day I did a. Uh, this is. I, I was doing a photo shoot for FX on Saturday, <laughs> and um, I just left DJ Quell's. <laughs> well, this is yeah. I just left DJ Quell's house, and um, well, they're doing because we got like when they're trying to advertise the network for next year. Um, they they're doing a a thing where we all arrive at the upfronts on different vehicles. I won't give away what the sure. is. but so. So Charlie Sheen was being shot after me. Russell Brand just got shot before me. And, <laughs> and then I was like, why are we shooting this all together? Why, why wouldn't you shoot us all together? And then it dawned on me on the way home. We're not all getting renewed. <laughs> oh no! There's some of us who will just be cutting out of that little. Montage. I hope it's like I hope it's like car racist, and you show up in a Vauxhall, and Russell Brand shows up in a, in a Mini Cooper. But I, I, I saw I saw Russell, and I've known Russell for a while, and Russell has that that thing where he uses. So many superlatives, <laughs> but doesn't actually say anything. <laughs> and then uses words like quandary where, where it's not meant to be. <laughs> you know, it, it's the quandary of the extremist of the motion of the mind, Jim. <laughs> and oh, you'll go, That what? sounds like, that sounds then, like a then, thing. And then he says it so fast, you go, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> that's... And then he'll do things like, like uh, he'll say to me, he'll go, Jim, I just, I've always been a fan of your comedy. It's amazing. It's outrageous. The things that you pull and the words that you say and the things that you have developed. And then I'll go, did you watch the last two specials? And he goes, no, I haven't seen them. <laughs> like, we straight in, like, like, all be sucking up. And then honesty, right at the end. No. <laughs> I imagine they're very good, though. <laughs> I hear but good I things. But I had an assistant describe it to me. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I lied. I didn't. I didn't have anyone describe it to me. The thing is, he, um, he, I rock up with my friend who's staying at my house at the moment, who's a stand-up comic from London. And and then Russell literally drives up on a on a golf cart with women just hanging off the side, <laughs> like like holding on to the vehicle like a rickshaw in India. Oh my god! 
And he just he he's a he's a hit with the ladies. Love the crazy long hair and the they, beard they and the. Love, which is the weird thing is the there's a lot of women in Britain that look like Russell Brand. <laughs> there's a lot of women that are well, those very, women could get a lot of pussy. Yeah, very close to that thing. If they if they blew you, you could smash some teeth out. <laughs> they're bad dental plans. How do you like doing comedy in America? Um, I like it. Yeah, I like America's home now, man. I got an American kid. So, That's right. Yeah. Okay. So, where does his citizenship? Is it Australian and, and my my girlfriend's Canadian? Oh, the kid's American. Gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an Australian Canadian American baby. Oh my god, he could go so many places. And we we didn't fuck up either, man. His name's Hank. Yeah. He, he's an American as fuck. Man. Hank Jeffries. Yeah, Hank Jeffries. And he and he, his middle name's Lennon. We after the Beatle and also the communist leader. <laughs> that's we, we that's like it, to, yes. You know, but, uh, but, yeah, Hank is... And my mother was like, oh, oh, I can't call him Hank. It's too American. I'm like, you'll call him fucking Hank. Because <laughs> that's his name. It's short for Henry, right? Nah. <laughs> yeah. Just fucking Hank. <laughs> Named him after the king of the hill. <laughs> <laughs> Do you... Would you... What what's the difference between raising a like? Would you want to have to raise the kid in London or do you? No, I, I um look, I my house here is bigger than anything that I could buy in London for the same price. It has a yard and things like that. It's more kid friendly here than it is there. I, I but I've done weird things like I've been looking into the school system now, and I just every school here sounds horrible. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like. Oh, whether they got five metal detectors and a couple of kids got stabbed. And then the private schools here sound like they have like 10 kids in them. Yeah, and then you have to like go through a whole rigmarole. But you to know get what I mean? In. Like private yeah. schools in Britain stuff are great, big, massive things. In Australia, they're massive things with big sporting teams. And, yeah. you know? and it's like, oh, we have a private school in the Hollywood Hills that has 15 kids. <laughs> Very specialized attention. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't want my fucking kid in that school. Right. Because if he's anything like me, he's, he'll stick out as a moron. Like in, in that. <laughs> not like, not I, Hank Jeffries. I don't have I don't have high hopes for him being anything but funny. Like if he's anything like me, like funny, I'll be, you know, I, I was happy that when I grew up, that was held in a higher esteem in my household than being good at sport. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that actually being funny and having personality to my father was a bigger deal than me being able to catch a ball because I really couldn't catch a ball to this day. I'm the worst athlete and I, I desperately would love to be good at sport. I threw a pitch out at the Cubs game. And you can find it on YouTube somewhere. It's horrible. And <laughs> and it, what's the most horrible thing is I'm so unfamous that there was the who's this guy muttering. So they were mad twice. Yeah, who's this guy? Oh, he better be good. No, he's shit. Uh, well, he's not even from here? Yeah, and then it was go home. <laughs> and the go home started coming out. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck. And, and the thing is, I... I we did an episode of Legit at a baseball field where I had to throw out the first pitch at a Cucamonga Quakes game. Like we made it minor league for the character. And I tried it again, still couldn't do it. Right? <laughs> but then they made me throw it. They go, throw it badly. Try to get it over the camera off to your right. Facing forward, I nailed it four or five times. I hit the camera. <laughs> I can fuck up tremendously. Like, like two... Oh, my God. You're like Rick Vaughn. You just need a pair of glasses with the I skull just, on well, them. Next time I'm thinking, I should just face the wrong direction. Yes. And just fucking do it. I, I'm telling you, pinpoint accuracy. It was, it was unbelievable. You got to play the slice, like they say. Yeah, and no, that's what I, I, play, I played a celebrity. I, I have... A, I have 
gotten a lot of jerseys with my name on them over the years. Like, I try to get involved wherever I can get a jersey with my name on it, like a retarded child. <laughs> Where, wherever you can. I mean, like, and not just across. Uh... I, I've got a Hearts football team from Scotland, which is the Edinburgh soccer team. And that's because their manager's name was also Jim Jeffries. Oh. And so there was a bit, Jim Jeffries was coming out. I was doing the Edinburgh Festival. And I went, wait, you're not the manager. <laughs> and I was like, da, 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 da. And sorry they, and surprise. They presented me a jersey. The Cucamonga Quakes gave me a jersey when I went out and pitched. The, the, the Cubs gave me a jersey. And I got a jersey from my football team, Fulham. I played in a celebrity match for them, which at the time I thought I did rather well. And then I watched it back. And it's awkward to find out that you have a bad run. <laughs> <laughs> it's like hearing your voice for the first time. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know. Because you think if you're comfortable, you think, all right, yeah, I probably true. look good as well, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, I have a prance. that, And it's sort of Embrace awkward... the prance. No, but yeah. it's a heavy bear. But maybe you should just think of it as a majestic unicorn. No, no. Every time I ran, the commentators laughed and, <laughs> ma and made comments. Because when you're on the field, there's no commentary on the field. Thank God you're a comic, though. And if you were just a guy who that was their life and they still were like, that would be devastating. But at least you can laugh yeah, about it. Yeah, at least it. I wasn't an actor who was like, yeah, okay. And I wasn't bragging before the game in the interviews when they had me like, yeah, I'm going to do this, that. I was going, I'm probably going to be shit. Like, I was saying it down camera. I'm not expecting much. And then I made like two passes and thought that was pretty good. I mean, imagine was... if you're Robert Pattinson and then someone sees you running and then it's that and you're like, oh. If I ever get an actual acting job, <laughs> I, I'm very fearful of an actual, actual acting job because at the moment I'm playing myself in a sitcom that I've written. Right. So if I, if I fuck a lineup, who's telling me off? Yeah. I don't even get close to the dialogue on the page. I know the gist, <laughs> but I don't even get really close. But to and take someone else's and I have sometimes to... pull up other actors and go, no, that's not that's not what you're meant to be saying. Because I've written it, right? Right. But I haven't even gotten close to, to my lines. And then I think to myself, if I get an actual job and I show up with this, because I've never practiced the lines. <laughs> <laughs> this whole idea that we have theories that actors are sitting at home learning dialogue is a load of rubbish. You, you get in the makeup, they give you the script, you go, what are we filming today? You sort of read it a bit, then they make you do a rehearsal, then they set up the cameras, you just ask to go last, so they're on someone else. <laughs> By the time they get to you, you're sort of memorized. It. Yeah. And right, and they're do only it. doing chunks at a time. You're only doing so like you can, six words at a time. You can remember six words at a time. Yeah, it's fine. six lines, and you sort of get it. But you see the better actors... The better actors who are very, they come into the show and like Minnie Sterling, who we've got on the show, she's very she played she uh, Doctor Evil's wife. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. Of in, course, in, 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 people. Are, yeah, yeah, I know Mindy. Yeah. It's really yeah, funny. Yeah. And we got John Ratzenberg. Oh wow. The show. Mindy's a fucking awesome improviser. Yeah, yeah. By the way, well, her and Ratzen, her. I, I don't think I'm saying anything that John will be upset with me saying. We we had a we have a uh, an episode at the end. Um, I don't want to ruin the storyline. How do I? It, it, basically, at the end of the episode, there's there's a party and there's a lot of hookers there, right? And we have to give speeches. So I get up and give us, and it was just literally us in front of the cameras going, "All right, everybody, just start saying a speech. We're going to just film a montage of all the speeches and everything, right?" So I was like, "Thank you for coming to the party." Blah, blah, blah. And then the next character came up, and then Ratzenberg gets up. There's a few disabled people there, some prostitutes there, and Ratzenberg goes, "It's." Uh, it's uh, well, a lot of prostitutes here, and they it's uh, there's nothing wrong with prostitutes, nothing wrong at all. You know, the long history of prostitutes starting with Mary Magdalene 
and ending with that pantsuit-wearing whore Hillary Clinton who knows she's a lesbian and why won't she... And this is no longer John's character. This is is just John going for it, right? And I'm like, whoa, right? And DJ, who plays John's son, went, Dad, right? Like, in character. But then John looked at, at DJ out of character like, let me finish, boy. <laughs> oh, shit. That was some uh, good improv, John. Yeah. Who was improvising? Yeah. Read it, about this in my manifesto. I tell you what, though. If you want to, like, for, for if we're going to talk about being a nerd, man, you hang out with fucking Ratzenberg for the day. That's nerd heaven. Oh, I would imagine. Tell me about the two episodes, the two mo- the two times you were in Superman as different characters. As different characters. He was in Superman 2. Mm. As one of the NASA uh, guys. And then he was a guy that was in charge of a fucking rocket. Yeah. In in, in Superman 1. He was in charge of a, a cruise missile. And then he might have promoted through the ranks and started working at NASA. <laughs> right? But then, like, he's Major Derland in fucking Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. He's the one who says they have to close the blast yep. shields because it's getting too fucking cold. Tauntauns will freeze. Is he really? Yeah, yeah. And he's 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 got a Star Wars figure. He's hard hard to recognize in some of the earlier in some of the earlier movies because you think of him as Cliff. Yeah. And you think of him as kind of this like slightly older guy, but but like young John Ratzenberger, he's kind of a handsome guy, and he he still had the tash. There was still a certain look. He he drove Candace Bergman to see Gandhi in the movie Gandhi. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. What? He's in the bridge too far where he was going to fight the... He's in fucking everything. He goes, uh, he goes, you know, I did a movie with uh, Lawrence Olivier, right? I'm sitting there in the fucking makeup trailer and he goes, eh, the one bit of advice he gave me was, uh, he said, I went up to him and said, hey, Lawrence, what advice can you give a young actor? And he goes, and he told me to never leave my wallet in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, he's so close to actually being Cliff that sometimes you're like, is this all a bit or is he... Because he'll start telling you about inventions that he's had. Is this and the greatest... I'm not sure if he's invented anything. Is, is he out Andy Kaufmaning? Andy Kaufman? Or... He sits next to you in the morning and you'll be getting makeup done. It'll be 6 a.m. You'll be a bit groggy. I'll be drinking a Red Bull or something like that. And he'll go, hey, you know that uh, Jesus had a dog called Tippy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you, you, you'll be, sorry, 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 John. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Walked out in the water. The poor thing drowned. <laughs> <laughs> and then just back to his newspaper. Yeah, or whatever. yeah, and then back to his newspaper. He doesn't really wait for a laugh. He doesn't really get laughs. He just gets an awkward. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> and exactly what I want him to be like. Yeah, he's exactly what you think he'd be like. Yeah. It is. I guess it is sort of a. There is a certain expectation when you when you are attached to a character like Cliff, and then you meet in real life. Well, no, actually, I'm a you know I'm just a regular guy, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I get. It. But it's it's so much more the legend. It's kind of like you want. It's almost like you you almost want uh, Offerman to be like Ron Swanson, but then yeah. you're like, no, but he's not. You know, like it's a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But hearing that, you know, maybe maybe Cliff was an eye opening experience for him, and it was like, this is who I'm supposed to be. There, there's there's <laughs> bits where we were like, I'm worried if he'll even say this line, and then he's like, yeah, we can make it more extreme if we. Uh... <laughs> you know, there was bits where I was really nervous because I thought, oh, you won't go for this. He's from tr- traditional sitcoms. But the reason he got the part was we would, like, 
me and the guy who wrote it with, we'd be there, like, we'd always pull in a few people from the office and say, all right, we want to read this script and see how it plays out, like, not even without actors. And I'd always play, like, two or three of the male roles. And whenever I got to the dad's role, I just did it as Cliff Clavin. <laughs> and then, and then, and then like, we could just get him. And then by week eight, we were like, maybe we should call him. And we're like, what's his name? <laughs> and we're like, the guy plays him again. Let's call him up. He's like, and then we were like, nah, he wouldn't do it. He does all those Pixar movies. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, great. That's yeah. fucking awesome. I've got to go film the new Monsters, Inc. film. That's between four and six. That should be done. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see? I, I, I want to talk. I'd love to talk to him and George Went is the other one that I think. Him and George Went are still buddies. Oh, that's great. Of course they he's are. He's like, hey, George, he's having a few problems with his heart. I think he's going into surgery. I'm going to take him over a bottle of whiskey and have a chat with him. <laughs> Uh, and you're sitting there going, that's just how I want those two to be. So what do you think about it? They sat next to each other on set all day for, for like, 10 years. Yeah. yeah, for 10 years. I they're, guess that's they're true. They're right next to each other. You know, of course they're going to. Yeah, yeah. They're either going to hate each other or be best friends. I'd tell you what, if we go to season three or four, fuck yeah, I'll get George You got to get George Wentz George Wentz will come in and be his uh, buddy for whatever yep. reason. Oh yep. Maybe even next season. I you don't need a wait. reason. Just do it. It's your show. You can do whatever you want. I know, but people find that a bit corny where it's like, huh? It's only corny. Right? It's but only... It's, it's bad. It, the thing that... It is corny, but I want to be around it for four days when we yeah, film. Right. It's only corny if the jokes are written to be like, eh, but if you just let them be themselves, then it's not going to be corny at all. Then people are like, that's fucking awesome. Like, if you don't refer to it and they're just friends and you kind of let them go, I think it'd be amazing. That well, would be I fucking remember, awesome. See, the thing is, so he's married to Minnie Sterling's character in the show. Maybe they could get divorced in the second season and Cliff could become gay and then pick up George <laughs> in a bear bar. <laughs> yeah, I've always known it. Oh, yeah, ever since I was a young boy, I always liked the look of men. Here's the scene everyone always wanted. <laughs> what is it? Uh, or he could be a brother-in-law. There's so many things you could do with... With or he could be the mailman. George Went is the mailman. It, there's, there's bits in the show where it's like, so if, if we get a second season, if, if I want to bring in my parents for the second season as characters that come over and stay with us for a few episodes from Australia. Oh, that's cool. And, you know, I think I'll just get someone to call Paul Hogan. Just have him on. Yeah, like, like. Why like, not? Well, Why not? Was he not going to do it? Another seventy-year-old Australian guy. It's either him or Brian Brown, and I like Brian Brown. What he about Jacko? Yeah, Jacko doesn't look. Yeah, well, either does Paul Hogan. Doesn't look like me either. Brian Brown's probably the best casting. <laughs> Brian or, Brown's or, fucking or awesome. The guy Jack Thompson, who is from a few movies. He, he can was, we talk about FX for a second? Yeah, How sure. Fucking great FX movie. I fucking love Brian Brown. Yeah, oh, I thought we were talking about the network. I was going to go, yes, there's going to be a lot of creative freedom. Wait a minute. Yes, of course. <laughs> FX the network, FX the movie with Brian Brown. Yeah, I just did an interview for FX where there's a lot of questions where FX were like, how is it being on FX? What does it feel like? What were your initial thoughts on FX? And obviously a lot of the answers are very good, thank you. Yeah. Right? And, and uh, they were very good, so I'm not taking the piss. Um, 
but I, I did a little joke like they went so what was your first imp- impressions of FX and I was like well I thought Brian Brown was great <laughs> uh, and, they, and they just sort of went no let's start that again Jim no, no. and I was going oh, no, okay no, I thought Brian Dennehy was yeah, great we don't, we don't no. want to have any jokes like that okay alright fine the real star was the <laughs> robot clown <laughs> <laughs> or the, the crazy like troll creature that's in his front door that yeah, yeah, you know yeah. that scares people when they but go Brian in Brian Brown's funny man he was in that movie Along Came Polly, which wasn't a great movie, but he oh, right. was funny in it. Was that the Ben Stiller movie? The Ben Stiller yeah. movie where, yeah, he was the... He was also in Cocktail. Coglin's Law! He's in a great movie that never got over here, which is a tremendous movie called Two Hands, which was Heath Ledger's last movie before he moved to America. And it's about Australian gangsters. It's sort of like a soprano type of thing, but everyone's in shorts. <laughs> <laughs> you know well, of course. I mean? And everyone's like, I'm going to fucking kill that cunt. If he comes around here again, I'm going to shoot that cunt in the fucking head. It's a lot of that. <laughs> but they're in shorts. And then I'm yeah, like, ah, oh, these mosquitoes are getting me legs. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what accent the, that the was. The movie's no all accent. about like Heath Ledger's <laughs> character was meant to go collect $50,000. He went for a swim at the beach, buried it underneath a shoe. And then when he came back, it wasn't there. That's the premise of the movie. But it is a good film. It's funny. Your don't accent, tell me what my accent your was. Your accent was basically over. an Australian who was raised in London and then had a horrible head trauma. <laughs> It's me. <laughs> oh my god, this works out so well. I wonder. So, do you, what's your thought on on comedians and you know being sort of dark and anxious and depressed and all of that? Do, do you do you feel any of that stuff? Or are you I, pretty happy? I'm, I'm a. I, I've been on and off antidepressants my whole life. I I I've been diagnosed with bipolar, but I think that I'm more. Um, personally, I think, because it's just a fucking judgment call when someone diagnoses you with these problems. There's yeah. no fucking blood test, right? It's really just a person going, I think you might be, right? I think I just suffer from depression. I think my, what they call manic episodes, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the type of guy that it's all of a sudden you come home to the house and I've painted everything and there's a mural. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I just suffer from depression. All types of stuff. I don't think you need to be... A, suffer from depression to be a good comic. I don't think, I don't hold it as a badge of you wouldn't understand. Well, that's good because that's sort of my, my, my question was obviously, you know, Hank's probably going to be a, grow up to be a pretty funny kid. Would you want him to be funny? If, no, I, yeah. I, I would, I would, ne- I would swap depression for being f- funny. I, I, I wouldn't, depression's a horrible thing. It, it's, it's, for me, it's, um, uh, I don't know if you've ever had, been in contact with suicide that's the one thing i never joke about is suicide because i find that that's something at my darkest moments i've thought about and i've had people in my life who who, who have committed suicide and i feel like for all the flack i get for doing a joke about cancer or a joke about whatever suicide fucking tears up families faster than any of those things you know leaves people with more guilt and more anger and it's it's very often you'll see even the simpsons like there's just like a fucking shadow of homer hitting a light bulb and then it's like you think he's hung himself you would never do that with like a shadow of someone really thin in bed with some cigarette smoke oh that's true yeah (laughs) yeah so i i you know i don't i think i'm in a good space now for me for me over the years i think um i don't think i don't think money's made it better I thought money would. I thought there was a moment where I thought if I get a lot of money, then then depression will go away. And then but, you get the money and you're like, oh, shit. Now, what do yeah, I yeah, yeah. still I, have? The-, I, the happiest time in my life was actually the first three years of me doing stand-up when I was earning sort of 600 pounds a week in London, which is more than enough to live off. I was 
fucking smoking weed and hanging out with my mates and just there was so much optimism that we were all going to be something that we had all started that we'd all started together and, and, and the optimism was goals were so easy to achieve back then they were literally oh, I reckon I can get into that club and then you got into it yay yeah. <laughs> a couple of weeks later you had that other little goal and you were like hey I'm into that one as well it was just I remember waking up so excited because I'd have a car journey with a comic I liked you know, like thinking this guy, I'm going to get to chat to this guy for six hours while we drive up to Scotland. Yeah. You know, and now it's probably like, fuck, I got to go up to yeah, Scotland. Yeah, I got to go to fucking Scotland. I hate traveling or whatever. I still love performing, still love it. I don't have any, I, I could, I would gig every day if there was a comedy club in my living room. I'd do two, three shows a day. Happy as Larry. It's the traveling that fucking does my head in. I don't know about you guys, but... It's... Uh, I, yeah, not a fan. I, 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 it is hard because I, I go back and forth, so I don't, I'm, I don't just go on the road for like four months. It's mm. I'll just go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, come home Sunday, work, then go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, come mm. home Sunday. So it's once I get into the pattern of it, I can roll with it pretty well. Yeah, I, well, the moment this tour at the moment's been pretty easy because it's just been Friday, Saturdays, you know. Yeah, and theaters are good because everyone already likes you. Well, that's the thing is that the the the, the shows have changed dramatically for me. I was I was it was really bumming me out going and performing when no one would come out to see me on purpose and the rooms were papered and it's like yeah. it's a fun challenge to like I've got to win these rednecks over. Yeah, yeah. but. You know, by the second show Saturday night, you're like, I'm empty. I'm just, em there's nothing left in me. Yeah, yeah. You, you you don't get that gig anymore where it's it's where you go, fuck you. And you, walk <laughs> you know what I mean? And that used to happen at least four times a year. Where I'm like, you people are all fucking idiots. And there'd be like one table with some girl who could try to convince her friends, like, stay, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know what I mean? That sad person that she's having a bad time because you're having a bad time and her friends are going to call her an idiot for fucking ever. Well, it's hard, you know, like sometimes if you don't have the... I mean, most of the time if they don't have the energy, it's fine. But every once in a while, it's like you might get a crowd where you're like, come on, guys, you just have to put in 10% of the effort here. Just 10% yeah, to come yeah, yeah, together yeah, yeah, as an yeah. audience and I'll do the rest. Oh, I've done the thing where, where I've looked at myself like I've been trying so hard to win over a crowd that there's a moment in the show where you're like standing on a table and you haven't got your shirt on and you're, and you're like... <laughs> what have I become? You're like, I've put in too much effort here. I should have given up on you guys a long time ago. I really tried and you're not appreciating This is this. like a relationship where you're dating someone and they just keep cheating on you. You're like, okay, this time I know I can make it work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck, I, there isn't anything I can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just not going to get along. But those don't... I mean, I... I does that? Do you kind of prefer that now, where it's people know who you I, well, are? I like I like that you can. I'll give you a little bit more breath on a new uh, on a new routine. Yeah. You know, and 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 they uh, a, a routine that might work with my crowd wouldn't. I I would like might even kill with with my my theater audience. I wouldn't do on, on a Wednesday down at the Improv because I know that there's not enough people who know. Right. Me. And, you know, it's weird things now that I enjoy where I can do callbacks to jokes I haven't done on that, that show. And they already know. And they yeah, know. that are callbacks to previous DVDs. And you're like, that's cool. You do you know. feel like it's important every once in a while to go just do a surprise set somewhere where the crowd maybe doesn't know you just to, to exercise sure. that muscle? Yeah, I try to do that as much as possible. I don't, I, I don't you know, I, 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 
this current tour, I, I, 40 minutes of it, I hadn't performed yet. I was writing while I was doing the TV show. So I, um, I, I just brought out a special and I thought, oh, everyone's seen that, so I've got to give them a new hour. So I was going down to the clubs like crazy doing five-minute spots and ten-minute spots, and that was very interesting because I hadn't done that for a long time. It is sort of weird to well, – it's nice when you have room to breathe, and then in five minutes, it, then it just becomes a jokes-per-minute thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, for me, because it's mostly story-based, it'll be like, I'm going to try this one story. And then you come up, and then it's like, here's this story. No, you don't like that? <laughs> Good night. Yep. Good night. And then it's like at the two-minute mark, you're like – that's the best bit of that story. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're thinking at the end will be the best bit. Yep. In yeah. the middle, there's a bit that's the best bit. And you're like, wow. do you go? Do you go up with? Uh, do you just sort? Of, I, it sounds like you. You probably just kind of have a general idea of what you want to do, and then just kind of sure. work it out on stage. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not a studious guy who writes it all down or anything like that. But it sounds like you were during the FX show, which is. I think it must be kind of cool to have a show that's basically. A theatrical expression of your stand-up. Well, this is the thing is, for most people who like that, but some people have gotten angry. Like, oh, you know these jokes? And you're like, yeah, I know they work. They're good, right? Yeah, but yeah. you haven't seen them like this. <laughs> now we're acting them out. What's the fucking problem? Yeah, now we're acting them out. And there's different characters in them that you didn't see before. And, you know, and now we've changed them a little bit. And, and there is obviously some episodes that we wrote from scratch. And also the, the problem was we the first episode was, was me taking a family muscular dystrophy to a brothel. And then FX were like, we really like DJ. You got to keep him in every episode. So now it's me and all my stand-up stories with a guy with muscular dystrophy. Oh right? wow! Which at first I was a little bit like, ah, oh, fuck, this might be difficult. But it's actually been a, a, a help because he's really easy to write stories for. Yeah, it's just what happened to this guy. He's stuck on the toilet. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and DJ's great too. He's, oh, he's he's the best. He's the best. And the thing is. It, it doesn't take a lot of makeup to make him look disabled. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's a just add water type of actor. <laughs> this is the thing about DJ is, and he does, he doesn't complain about it. He's lost his virginity on screen seven times. <laughs> he's the guy. He's the guy. He could be fifty, and he'll he might still be there. He's guy. the guy. Well, he's he's getting close to forty, and, he, and it's like they go. And they go, and we need a guy who looks like a teenager who has a, needs to lose his virginity. Like, he lost it on our show. Oh, you know, wow. we took it to say we got a brother. But seven times he's lost his virginity. That's a look. That's You've amazing. got the I haven't been fucked look. <laughs> but if, as long as it keeps employing him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's, it, it's either that or he plays like... Um, uh, like someone who's like an alien or he's in Supernatural as like an yeah. alien hunter or something. I don't, I haven't watched that show. So I've been watching Supernatural. It's pretty cool. It's a, you know, Monster of the Week show. It's not as heavy-handed as X-Files. It's sort of playful and it's fun. Yeah, X-Files wasn't heavy-handed. It was perfect. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I just watched... mean the whole like the truth is out there. Yeah, it is. I haven't watched the X-Files okay. for a long time. I love the shit of the does X-Files. It, does I... it still stand up? I think it does. Yeah, seasons one through seven are great. I watched the Twin Peaks episode once. It doesn't stand up. Well, I haven't seen Twin Peaks in a. I don't think I've seen Twin Peaks since the nineties. I think it was on Netflix or something. I watched like four episodes in like a year ago, and, and it, it feels like, very kind of of that time, right? Yeah, and I re- but I remember us all being very excited. Yeah. Well, it was di- it was unlike anything Laura else on Palmer. television. Yeah, yeah of course. And they kept on saying this, and we were like, "Wow, what's that?" She's found dead, wrapped in plastic. It was on the <laughs> advert. Like they kept on saying that. And then there was a dwarf speaking backwards. And what is this thing? And then it just... Now, it's like Lost was the fucking... Was the first season was so good. 
And then by the end, it was like, I remember watching that guy who was the lead from Lost and he was there going, he was there going, you won't believe what happens at the end. And I was like, they're all dead? Are they all dead? <laughs> no, you won't believe it. Are they all dead? <laughs> oh, they're all dead. <laughs> but, and but, then it's like, and you haven't explained the polar bears still. <laughs> but but with with Twin Peaks though, can't have all the answers, Jim. Which well, it, it was written by a fact. It was like kids writing a TV program, with, and there's polar bears and <laughs> the island moose 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 moose, <laughs> and they're all dead. <laughs> You know what I mean? It was they did not know how they were ending it. They were trying to piece it all together. They couldn't piece it all together. They thought there'd be an epiphany moment where they went, and that's where the West where the bomb is there. But they never had that moment where they sort of worked everything back in, you know? But, when, but then, uh, and then on Twin Peaks, they never really tried. It's just really not. And the show was so far out there. Well, I think to write a TV show, you've got to have a series arc before you have the episodes right right, right. Say, this is where i want to start and this is where i want to end and right, how do i get there i don't know but i don't think they did that I, they they were like i think 24 didn't know that either towards the end i'm interested to see what arrested development does because the last episode of arrested development really felt like ah fuck it we're never going to see these characters again okay so portia de rossi's character is not really a bluth she's adopted now she wants to fuck michael and then yeah. so on, and it's like what are they going to do now with these new episodes that's i'm uh, you know we'll see yeah but they, they might they might just ignore that ignore that <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah well they could do the dallas yeah <laughs> last five years of <laughs> yeah or uh or yeah there was a there was a show called sledgehammer on in the 80s and they thought they were getting canceled, and so the last the series finale was the basically this atomic device goes off and just levels yeah. everything, and then they and then they got picked up again after they had been canceled, and then so they basically in the beginning of the next season had to be like, all that happens someday, and then they just picked it up like in well, the middle. Of, in, oh uh, right, right. In, anyway. in uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, season three cliffhanger, the best of both worlds. You know, where Picard's taken by the Borg. Michael Piller wrote Why that. Why is this called The Nerdist? On his way out. He, yeah, he wrote it on his way out, right. and he's like, well, this happens, this happens, good luck fixing that, I'm out, I'll see you later. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> I just shit on your bed. <laughs> good luck. So you own the comedy club at the back of the comics book store, is that correct? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. That's my comic book store. Oh, you love you oh, like you Meltdown? Meltdown? I'm a Meltdown all the time. It's I go down there awesome. to buy my, my comic books. Are you perform? You should perform there. I've never been asked. You I, perform there whenever you I, want. I, I got my name for ever so shortest time on the on the um, on the Transformers pinball machine. Oh, oh yeah. I have three pinball machines in my house, and I'm a pinball machine. Which ones? I have brand new ACDC, which came out last year. All right. I have Spider-Man. They released after Spider-Man 3, the Tobey Maguire. Mm -hmm. yep. I have World Cup 94 from the World Cup 94. Okay. Soccer. And at the moment, there's a company called Jersey Jack that's bringing out, um, in 2014, they're bringing out a Hobbit machine, which is going to have an LCD screen as the back glass. Oh, that's awesome. So the thing. But the guys at Stern have always been good to me that I feel like I'd be cheating on them to buy it because the Stern guy gave me my ACDC for cost oh. price because I talk about pinball all the time and always Twitter about pinball. No, no, no. Um, so I'd feel like I was cheating on them because I know I know the next three machines they're bringing out, but I can't, I can't say. Well, one of my... You know, sort of things I want to end up buying is a next generation pinball machine. I like the classic Star Trek pinball machine with the, the I, TNG pinball machine is the best. It's I, all right. 
Well, it's the best. It's, <laughs> Glad it's, we all agree. It's the best. No, it sounds like it's, it's just no one's agreeing. There's a lot of things about pinball that, that no one agrees on. There's a few things that everyone agrees on. Medieval Madness is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Adams Family is a great, great machine. pinball machine. Yep, it's a great pinball machine. Biggest selling pinball machine of all time. Is it really? Yeah, biggest selling pinball wow. machine of all time. And you're thinking like that movie wasn't one of the biggest hits of all fucking time, was it? And then you got the um, um, what other ones is like. You see, see, then it, see, you're a nerd. See, yeah, but then it, it gets Tim a Boulder. bit, it gets a bit more muddy around like the next ten favorites. Yeah, where every, everyone will sort of argue, argue a bit more. I like um, Arabian Nights. I, I think, think it's an amazing machine. I like. Um, I like the Doctor Who pinball machine at uh, at Ground Control in uh, Portland, but it, it it's it has all the Doctors up to Sylvester McCoy. So it's like eighties. And say it's a kind of an eighties. It's a kind of an eighties original. Williams Indiana Jones is amazing. The last stern Indiana Jones is not very good, although it it has an eight multi ball, and it is a weird. This is so here's here's a nerd story for you where where I don't fit in. Right, I was the first bit doesn't sound very nerdy. I was banging a a, a Playboy bunny in Vegas. Let's let's trim that part of the story. Right, but, <laughs> and she, we'll, she we'll had be been a Playboy everybody. bunny in Vegas. Her name was Samantha Harris. If you want to Google redhead, <laughs> all right. Anyway, so, but now she's, but as all Playboy Bunnies, they don't live off that forever. Right. They all go to Vegas and work by the pool in bikinis and earn 600 bucks a day in tips, right? That becomes their gig, right? Sounds good. And so I was seeing her and she lived in a house with a whole lot of other girls who were ex-cyber girls or whatever. So there's a pretty girl house, right? She was a nice girl. I was. I had another girl in Britain, and it was, there was things that didn't work out for whatever reason. She's a nice girl. Anyway, but but I talk about multi ball. So I fucking I take the Playboy Bunny down to the Pinball Hall of Fame because <laughs> that's that's what that's what I want to do with my time the, in the, Vegas. The dude that runs it with the gray hair, yeah, and the, the gray hair and the ponytail, <laughs> right? And they just had the. The new Indiana Jones machine. This is like four years ago, yeah. and and I I just sort of I was dipping my toe in the water of America, and so I was like, oh, these machines are so well maintained. And I was like, oh, this one, this one, they only made in a prototype. Like I was doing all that right. Anyway, did you I, remember the classic Playboy pinball machine? Um, yeah, well they brought out an, yeah. There's been four or five Playboy pinball machines because Hugh Hefner's an enthusiast, and they're all in the Playboy mansion. They're all. It's the one where you you start it up and I it goes da 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 like it plays the Playboy theme. Well, they just had a Playboy one that, um, recently from Stern in like 2006 where you hit it and the centerfolds all folded out and you had the option of the nude pictures or bikini pictures. Oh. How did she take this t- day trip? She was into me, so she acted... You know when girls act overly enthusiastic about something and you, and it's like... Like, they'll watch, like, a sporting event with you and go, that was a great hit! He's going to know. know I don't give a shit about this. I have to... Yeah, she, she was indulging me. That's right? nice. So I got on that new Indiana Jones machine, and the Ark of the Covenant at the end is filled with eight balls. And, and, and it's very hard to get the eight-ball multi-ball, yeah. right? But I got it. I got an eight-ball multi-ball. Now, they were, the only other bigger multi-ball was that was Apollo 13, which had a 13-ball Multi-ball. Terrible machine, but a big multi-ball. Right? <laughs> anyway, so I had an eight-ball multi-ball. I was like a pig in shit. I was like, ah, eight balls! <laughs> right? So I come back to the hot girl house, and they said, how was your, your outing? 
And I, like a child who had just been playing pinball, went, I got an eight ball. <laughs> right? Right? And they were like, that's great. And then all these girls just sat around me and just hung on my every word for like the next 40 minutes. Thinking he had yeah. coke. And then I was like, and I was like, wow, these girls are actually really sweet and attentive. Hey, we need to go to this club called the Ark of the Covenant. No, 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 no. It's not. And, and so, and so one, of, one, of the, one of the girls who was a bit more ballsy was, if you, the rest of you aren't going to say something, I'm going to say, and she goes, you, you're staying in our house. You just don't walk in and tell us you've got an eight ball and not share it with anyone. <laughs> and I'm like, serious business. And I know enough about, I, I've taken enough coke in my day, and I was like, oh, no, it was just playing pinball. <laughs> Good, it was in the ark and the thing. And the disappointment is these women just scattered away. It's like turning a light on a cockroach. In separate rooms. Drugs, not pinball. Oh my yeah, god. Like, that's so that's amazing. A, that's a good nurse. Well, the story pinball that. machine said winners don't use drugs. Where's everyone going? <laughs> So, so did I actually tell a successful nerd story that involves fucking a Playboy bunny? Yeah, exactly. That is a successful actually, nerd story yeah, that involves and scaring away a lot of the other ones. The way that you would actual rabbits if you started talking about pinball wildly. Oh, my God. They would scatter off into the bushes, never to be seen again. The uh, Terminator 3 machine has a huge multi-ball too, right? Because I played that a couple weeks ago in Santa Monica, and I it's, felt like I was yeah, like, "This is excessive." I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that big. It was sort of the problem with the Terminator Three machine. It was Steve Ritchie made it. I like his machines, yeah. right? But it had ramps that were slightly too steep. That when the machine right. got old, it was very hard to hit up the ramps. And then that thing in the back glass that shot it up, mm -hmm. that got tired quick, yep. and it was hard to get parts for and stuff. Terminator Two was a better machine. Yeah, I like the T2 machine too. That's got the pistol. It's right? got the it's got the pistol, but it's also yeah. got a cannon. And the ACDC has the same cannon in it now, oh, yeah. which comes out, and you get to shoot the cannon into the the thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I did like pinball. I mean, I was like Bally and Williams and the companies. My because my dad had an arcade. My dad had a bowling center, and so we had an arcade in it. Cool. And so we had uh, we had every arcade in the 80s. When the video game revolution happened, it was like. Uh, I mean, I think of 70s as the era of just pinball. And well, then 80s, like, mostly video games and then, like, one pinball machine. Uh, well, pinball was huge, was massive, right through. There's a good documentary called Special When Lit, mm -hmm. which is worth watching. I think it's on Netflix, which I, I if you want to know everything about down. pinball, Special When Lit is the documentary. And it's... it's um, it talks about when, when pinball was banned because it was seen as a gaming machine, but they were all still made out of Chicago and they were being shipped around the world, but you couldn't play them in America. And then they had to fight to actually say it was a game of skill, not a game of luck. Mm -hmm. And it went through the roof. Video games came and killed it. And then it had a resurgence that was bigger than anything else, right? Which was around the 1993, around the era of the Twilight Zone machine, which is a great machine. Oh, yeah. Um, and they start making the wide bodies slightly mm -hmm. bigger. Oh, I remember the Twilight Zone machine because when, when in an empty arcade, you can always hear it play the theme yeah. in the background somewhere. And then the Adams family came out and killed it, and they were giving all these guys, like, put as many toys in it as you want. And even the ones now, you can see they're cut in a few corners because they're like, oh, we can't sell that many of them. And, you know, 
And they're only really bought for home use now because they just bought out an X-Men machine. They bought out an Avengers machine. <laughs> the, you know, uh, yeah. the Austin Powers one has like actual like McFarlane action figures of Austin Powers in it. Like, yeah, yeah, they that's... didn't even bother doing their own mold. They just yeah, 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 pulled yeah, the did. action figure off the shelf. Um, and, and, so, and, and so it went through a peak. And then what killed Pinball? Because Mars Attacks was a great machine. Mm-hmm. And then they brought out the Mars Attacks next machine that was when they started integrating video games into Pimble where they had the glass with a video projected down onto it. You could hit all the all the aliens and stuff yeah. like that. What killed it was uh what killed a lot of our childhoods, uh the Phantom Menace. Yeah, the Phantom Menace game is just like yeah. It killed Pimble. I didn't know that. Because it's a shit game. Um one of the major companies, I think it was Williams, I think it was Williams, it might have been Bally, they fucking they, like everybody did, they bought the rights up to episode one because this was going to be the biggest thing in history, mm-hmm. right? So they, they spent exorbitant money to buy the rights to have the Star Wars pinball machine. The game sucked a little bit, but the m- machine came out six months after the movie uh. once we all decided the movie sucked. And so the machine tanked and shut down that company, and they were the ones making the best pinball machines, and then everyone just sort of lost interest in pinball. Oh, man, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Now, so been... now, now are the Phantom Menace machines collectible? Because It's not a good game. Okay. No, they've, the Phantom, they, that's, not, just, that's a ground control, too, Phantom Menace. shooting the middle the whole time. Shooting yep. the middle, shooting the middle. And they, it, the animation's good, and the droids come down, and you shoot and kill, shoot and kill. But technically, if you're, if you're, really, if you're a pinhead, it's not, it's not a great game to play you know there's not much of a challenge to it it's just bang bang if you could design a pinball machine what elements would it have Hmm, i i'm i like a lot of flippers Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i don't want a lot of flippers i don't want like six i think four's a good amount you know i like a a, a smaller upper playing field that has a tiny flipper something that does a side shot i think i haven't played it yet there was the the people who are making this new hobbit machine brought out a wizard of oz machine i would have maybe bought it i just don't want it in my house what was the premise the games the wizard of oz oh just as a premise oh yeah yeah Yeah. you know what i mean like it's got like it's like it's like playing on the fucking aristocrat you just heard a rainbow yeah you know what i mean and it's like you go into different modes and i like my pinballs to be like sex and rock and roll i like it to have like some chick fucking with a monster over like the old it. kiss machine yeah i like pinball to be like you want to smoke while you're playing it you want to you know what i mean i and I, from all accounts this wizard of oz machine's awesome and, and I've looked at it, and I've looked at it online. I think it's a great machine. I just, I couldn't. <laughs> Listen, you don't know how magical it could be. But it the Hobbit be... machine looks pretty, looks... Well, the Hobbit I haven't seen, but they're the same people are making it. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I Stern made a great machine with The Simpsons. was the last great, great machine that I thought mm. was made. And he had a little thing where they kept on hitting it on the couch, and you had to bang it up and open the garage yeah. door yeah, and yeah, all that yeah, type yeah. of stuff. And I just like, lots of toys... Um, four flippers, um, some complicated shots, some good, two good ramps is all you, all you need, and um, some multi balls that aren't fucking like Sega or Sega as I would call it. Sega, it used to be like you'd get a multi ball and you'd be like, how the fuck did I get this? Like you were happy <laughs> right, you had right, it, right, right, right. But you were like, how do just, I do this they, again? They just gave it because you hit that three times or something. It was just too easy. Yeah. Multi ball should be complicated to get. There should be a, a a lock button, a place to lock your ball, and a thing, you know. And then you know, it's, there should be a sense of achievement. Just a 
not a fucking moronic. So there's there's two things about pinball machines. You're trying to get it, and once you, no one can beat me on my home machines. Not because I'm a better player than everybody else, but I just know I've worked. I've cracked the code on this machine where to get all the points and how to do it and what's the fastest way to do it and the best order to do it and all that type of stuff. And that just takes repetition. To I got a, I got a score on Spider-Man that I fucking... If someone's got a better score, they've cheated. What was, what's this? It's $768 million. <laughs> And a good... A really good score is $100 million on that machine, right? And if someone's got a better score, they've cheated. And people, and that's getting superhero mode. That's killing every single fucking thing on the board. Getting into the special mode. That's like that's like a game. And when it happened to me, I was by myself, and I was just, someone come home. Please get Someone come home. Like I was holding the flipper, like just locking the ball for as long as I could, <laughs> waiting for someone, waiting for someone to get home. You gotta keep a piece of duct, like a roll of duct tape next to the machine, <laughs> yeah. so you can tape that down and then grab everybody and say, "Come look." Yeah, yeah, I go too. But like, because there is the easiest way to cheat in the world. You can have false scores. All the scores on the internet of people getting over a billion on that is you just take the glass out and you can make a score quickly by going dunk, dunk, dunk with your oh. hands. You can cheat a score very easily on a pinball machine. Not in not not on the internet. I know. Oh wait. Twin yeah. galaxies would never allow that. No, Walter would never let that <laughs> yeah, yeah, fly. The Twin galaxies. <laughs> well, there's there's two. There's a special and lit documentary, and there's a documentary on that fucking on the Phantom Menace game. There's a documentary on the Phantom Menace game. Yeah, there's a documentary on when they invented the Mars Attacks, and they thought this is going to save everything. This Mars Attacks game, and then they brought out the Phantom Menace, and then it, the demise of pinball when all the companies shut down. And Stern just kept on going, and uh, um, which thank God they did. Yeah. Well, the, the, it's the, the the interesting thing about technology and the way it's all come around is, you know, people got bored with pinball in the '80s because like we have video games. But then now that everyone has video games everywhere, like on their phones and at home and everything, it's like, oh, now pinball is a thing that you can go do. That's not you can't get that experience anywhere else. The problem is, there's certain things I can repair on myself, but getting someone out to repair other parts without I, I I'm not good at fucking replacing a circuit board. Enter John Ratzenberger. You know, you know who's good at it? Who? The guy that runs the Pinball Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah, guy's yeah. Good he, at he, it. I'm good at replacing light bulbs. <laughs> and rubber bands and cleaning the surface to make it all shiny. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, and some like my 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 foot my soccer one at the moment. The scoreboard is fucking dead. It's just, and I don't know. If I have to get a replacement scoreboard, or it's something to do with the circuit board being fried. Or I can't figure out where it's gone wrong. You can play it, but you don't know what your fucking score is. Right. So that's a pain in the ass. But I tell you what, you have a party, you come over to my house when there's a party, it's fucking, people queue up to play. Of course they do. There's and a pinball machine anywhere. Any, yeah, but like you you have put video games on during a party, people think you're antisocial. Yeah, but everyone, everyone right, can. But, but yeah, but pinball, yeah. everyone can enjoy it. They can get around. You guitar hero and people yeah. playing at a party. You're like, what's this cunt doing? Because pinball is sort of like, you can. it's like three-dimensional. You can sort of get around it. Yeah. And I just, wanna... you know. I want to look up. I, I have a. F Jim, uh, would you ever consider doing a pinball show for our YouTube channel? Oh, that'd be so great. <laughs> sure. See, I just sure. did it. I, I, I would. Um, that let's, would be so amazing. Let's talk, Jim. There's a, let's there's, talk. there's a woman named Jerry Ellsworth who works at Valve, mm -hmm. 
uh, which is a huge big video game company. Mm. And one of her claims to fame is that she mo- like she has this insane pinball collection, a lot of which she's just brought to Valve yeah. company up in Washington. And um, she mods games to do all these crazy things. She'll add like all sorts of cool stuff so that like she she mods she mods fucking pinball machines. She's yeah, someone yeah. that you should look into. Jerry Ellsworth, J E R I Ellsworth. Yeah, um, you can you can slut your machine up a little bit. People buy like on Spider Man, you can buy like city skyscrapes to go over the. Roofs. Oh really? So yeah, people have made all that type of stuff. And you can you, you can put different legs on, and you can put you can put the neon all through them as well. Is a very popular type of thing to do it a home one. We've been talking to uh, oh, Jim Jeffries, nerd comedian. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! This was really fun, man. I had no idea. I love I love hearing you talk about uh, pinball. Like I think it'd be fun to do a little like a pinball thing on the YouTube channel if you want. But people should definitely. Uh, people should definitely watch your show, Legit, which is Legit, on FX. Which which has two pinball machines in the show at what? my request. Which two? Which two? Um, it has the two that we could get the license for without paying very much. We have a pinbot machine uh-huh. from back in the day. Do you have the one that was in the... Uh, we have one called uh, Airborne, which I've never seen before. Uh, it's an old one. But Airborne Fighter or something, which has like a sort of like a couple of like a Buck Rogery sort of guy looking at it. But Pinbot was quite a popular one. Then there was Bride of Pinbot was the second one. What's the one in Happy Days? Um, I don't know. I did figure out the other day that on my TV show I'm Fonzie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have I have no reason to be there. It's me and a family. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey. like the show's about me, but I'm the least important person in it. You got to hit the pinball machine and get the high score. Bondi was the least coolest person in history. I would if agree. If you break with you. it down, a guy that hangs out at a milk bar with high school kids, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's in his thirties, that lives in a studio apartment above yeah. someone's house in suburbia, above in a garage, walkie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a loser. Yeah, he's a fucking loser. He conned everyone. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, he was in it for the long con, Chris. We're, at, we're about to run out of disc space. All right, well, fine. Let's but wrap Jim it up. Jeffries, are, are you, are you're on Twitter, you're on everywhere. Jim Jeffries sh- spelled, spelled J-E-F-F-E-R-I-S. There's another guy who has the other spelling who claims to be me. But oh, has, really? He has 15,000 followers, and I don't really give a shit. As long as he'd stop telling other comics who he thinks are shit. Oh, <laughs> oh that sucks. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, don't do that. I have to God. hang out with those people. Uh, thanks for being here, man. It was really good hanging out with you. We've never hung out before. This is really fun. No worries. Thanks for having me. We'll see you on the YouTube channel. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. <laughs> pinball! Okay, and this with Pinball Wizard. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, see if we can clear that. I'll it's just not say a problem, it. right? Yes, a Pinball Wizard. Yeah, the Elton John version or the, <laughs> or, the or the Who version? Well, the Elton John version is the Who, the Who, the Who version. I mean, it's but but I you know I I do I do kind of like the Elton John version because he's Captain Fantastic and he's got the cape it's, and the fucking crazy it's the fucking the big stilt shoes yeah the crazy shoes that kind of warp your brain when you see it because yeah, yeah. it looks weird yeah I think I think I might have to go Captain Fantastic on that one um, but I could be swayed now leaving Nerdist.com enjoy your burrito. I'm Shimon Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. 
All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost, but now I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully no one will die on stage tonight. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.